0: Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. And now, dear Father, we're here because we belong to you. We are your children. So we we sit now, O oh Lord, at your feet and ask that you would, you would teach us and that we would learn of you. Your Father, we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Savior and Lord. Amen. So out on the sidewalk this morning, greeting everyone, I, in the shrubs was... Uh, this this plasticky thing, whatever this is, I figure it must be from that Chinese balloon that got shot down. <laughs> so one wonders, sort of like in that opening video, has the world gone crazy? And um, I must say, there's there is so much that I just do not understand that goes on in our time. And so that is a persistent thought that I, that I struggle with because all kinds of things come out with significant regularity that I don't understand. And if I don't understand, I don't even how, know how to discuss something. I don't know how to get on board with a conversation. And it's, it's coming from, from almost everywhere, it seems. It doesn't matter what news outlet or, or anything. There's just so much that I don't understand. And, and I was going into a grocery store not too long ago. And there was a guy standing out there with a sign. And it said, Repent or the time is near. And I remember the last time I saw that was when I was like a seven-year-old boy. I was asking my dad what that meant. And there is, because of the the uncertainty, there's there's a lot of uncertainty among us. And so some of the speculations go to those apocalyptic type predictions and anticipations. And I just want you to know there's nothing new about this. The Apostle Peter, writing just before the systemic persecution of Nero, had this to say. So then since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you've suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. You've had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties, and their terrible worship of idols. Of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. And so they slander you. But remember that they, have, that they will have to face God who will judge everyone, both the living and the dead. That is why the good news was preached to those who are already now dead. So also they were destined, destined to die like all peoples. They now live forever with God the Spirit. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from this great variety of spiritual gifts, use them well to serve one another. May God add his understanding to this, to this hearing of his word. So the church in the first century was facing every conceivable manner of persecution. And Peter himself, as he's writing to the Christians who were to be receiving his instructions was himself killed by Nero, as was the Apostle Paul. And into the, toward the end of the first century, when after the temple fell, which was a cataclysmic experience for, for the people, particularly for Jewish Christians, everyone thought, well, now's the time. Now Jesus will come back. You know, the, the Apostle Peter never said he's coming now. He said he's coming soon. And so we have to hold that intention given the reality of, of human life and human history. Because the, the persecution of the church has, has ebbed and flowed throughout the centuries. And... Yet, the word of comfort that came to the the people of God was that he is coming soon. In the fourth century, right at the beginning, 303 AD, they began what was called the Diocletian persecution. And Christians were denied access to worship. Their churches were raised such as they were. Pastors were arrested, beaten, tortured, and killed. And it was the word that the Lord is coming soon. But at the same time, outside of the populated areas, there were were monks praying. There were hermits living a a life that is hard to understand, kind of like vegans. And uh, they were praying. So that was 303 BC. Then who comes into power in 306? Constantine, whose mother was a Christian, had been baptized. And after a few years, by by three, 3 hundred and thirteen, he issued the Edict of Milan, which brought an end to the persecution. And then finally, Constantine, this leader of the Roman world, the most powerful empire on the planet, himself became a Christian. And by 325, very few years after that horrific persecution, 325, he convened the Council of Nicaea, where the church articulated for the first time the doctrine of the Trinity as a church. And so they thought it was going to be the end. But when things were really dark, when things were really horrible, there were others in other areas praying and calling upon the power of God to do what he would do. In 1844, 100,000, they, they guessed, 100,000 Christians were on hillsides praying and waiting because it was predicted that Christ would return based on the predictions or the prophecies of Daniel. And in 1844, they all go out and they're all populating these hillsides. And Jesus didn't come. It's called the Great Disappointment of 1844. But it was a seed that gave rise to a great, truly great church movement, the Adventist movement, which is a a powerful ministry to this day. And they have ministries all over the world. But Jesus didn't come. Prior to the Second World War, there were those who were shoehorning those letters 666 into the name Hitler. And they believed that it was at that time that Jesus was going to come. Jesus had to return because of the horrors that were being unleashed upon the world and the evil. Then when I was in high school, I remember a guy in Southern California who was convincing kids that Jesus was going to return. And so they all went up to the top of Mount San Gorgonio in Southern California. And they waited. Still, he didn't come. So the the words of comfort are that he's coming soon. He's coming soon. Not that he's coming now. So we live in a time that's kind of, it's kind of crazy. There's no question about it. And the, the conflict that, that we have in our culture right now, and, and the fact that there are... Well, the Apostle Paul says he reminds them of their past and how they also were these wild, crazy animals, party animals. And And he speaks of them to be reminding them that those people who are caught up in that kind of lifestyle are not a them. They are a you. Peter doesn't allow them to marginalize what they used to be and what those others still are. But now it seems like we have all this us and them stuff going on. There are no means of connection or of of, uh, identification with some people who are different than we are. And so we we have a harsh time. You know, even the Republican Party, they they will argue about rhinos. I haven't heard about dinos, but I'm sure that in the Democratic Party, they have the same kind of thing going on. There's all this conflict across, across the spectrum. But this is an interesting time because to what extent do we see the, the power of those who are in elite positions laboring to define life for us? Interesting article this week in the journal. George Will is being interviewed in his own home. And he says, you can blame Marx, or his precursor, Hegel. Once you decide that human nature is a fiction, that human beings are merely the sum of impressions made on them by their surrounding culture, then politics acquires an enormous jurisdiction. Consciousness becomes a political project, and the point of politics becomes the control of culture in order to control the imposition of proper consciousness. So the role of government is to impose consciousness that we have no identity apart from culture, that we have no agency personally, individually. This is the conflict that's being acted out in our time, part of it. The reality is, to this, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, Jesus himself, he is coming soon. And to contextualize our current experience within the larger experience of the church. Because even though it might be tough here, even though so few young people are going to church anymore, so the reality is, you drive down here on a Sunday morning. The streets are pretty open. If people were really going to church, we'd have a trouble getting here. A little better on Easter. But the reality is, I don't believe that we are post-Christian. Because even now, we have, like those hermits and like those monks, in the fourth century, we have a powerful church in South America, a powerful church in, in Africa, powerful church in Indonesia. And they're praying. They're praying for us. Korea is sending missionaries this way to us. Why? I would concur with the words of Karl Barth after the Second World War when the World Council of Churches was declaring that that we were now post-Christian culture and he said there is no such thing. The reality is that the church, the faith, has a perseverance that goes through these tough times. and So we're to be reminded that he is coming soon. So what are we to do? What do we do? We put on white robes and go to the top of Mount San Gorgonio and wait? (laughs) He says, the apostle Peter says, act like Christians. What do you do in a culture that seems to be going crazy, that makes no sense? Behave. (laughs) Act like Christians. Yes, Jesus comes to judge. Be reminded of that. But he says, pray, be a people of of prayer. Love, love covers a multitude of sins, the apostle Peter says. Not that if I love, then I get my sins covered. But the reality is when we love one another, that has a tendency to cover over those slights and, and miscommunications that we have with others. So pray. And love. And he says, be hospitable. And I love this. He throws in, without grouching. <laughs> without complaining about it. Oh, Anderson's always coming over. You know, this kind of thing. <laughs> be hospitable to one another. Care for one another. And, and in his time, it was, in Peter's time, it was literally taking other, others in. Taking those in who were having a rough time. whatever uh, whatever condition they were finding themselves in, bring them in. And to serve. Use the gifts that God's given you to serve. So basic, so foundational, so simple. Pray, love, hospitality is kindness. Be kind to one another and serve one another. There are times when we we need to be reminded lest we get pulled into the fray, lest we find ourselves in a place where we're, we're defining ourselves over against others and they're defining themselves over against us and the church loses its voice and loses its substance. So behave like Christians. A couple of weeks ago, I shared about how I got caught at Knott's Berry Farm shoplifting. Dumb kid, 13 years old. And um, I was asked afterwards, well, what did your parents do? Good question. When dad found out, he simply said to me, Kurt, you know better than that. That was it. He affirmed my personal moral agency to act like a Christian. Jesus is coming soon. So let's act like we belong to him. Join me in prayer. And so, Father, as we come to the table that you have prepared, knowing that all are invited and none are worthy, Lord God, may this be to us holy food and drink that reminds us that we will one day sup with one another and with you at your table. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast.